You know what Lent is, right, Corey? That's where you uh, uh, don't eat chocolate or drink uh, soda. Yeah, you give something up. Or have sex. I don't know. Is it all? It's all of those things. Those seem to be the three big ones, right? No, you pick something and you give it up. Yeah, chocolate, soda, or sex, or all three. If you want to get a really good... No, What? why are you choosing those three? That's not in the catechism. Isn't it? Why are you saying chocolate, soda, or... Soda? Yeah, those are the three yeah, things they... you have to choose from. But if you choose all three, then the buff stacks... And then it'll last the year. Did I tell you guys back when I was in college, I used to tend bar for a little extra money? Mm-mm, no. So I'm tending bar and this guy comes in. He orders three beers right at the same time. And I draw him the three beers, line it up in front of him. And he drinks each beer one after another, quietly just sits there Saturday afternoon and leaves. Next Saturday, he comes back, does the same thing, three beers. Starts doing this every Saturday. Finally, I looked at him. I said, listen, these beers start to go flat the minute that I draw them. Why don't you let me draw them one at a time, and then you'll enjoy it a lot more. He says, oh, no. He says, this is a new tradition. Me and my two brothers, we always used to get together on Saturday and drink down at the bar. But one's over working in Germany, the other one's working in China, and we don't get together anymore. So we each decide wherever we are on Saturday, we'll go into the bar, we'll drink three beers, one for ourselves and one for each brother. And I said, you know, that's a nice, that's a nice kind of tradition you got going. That That's really nice. And he did that for the next several Saturdays. And uh, one time uh, the guy comes in and just quietly orders two beers. I I didn't say anything for the longest time. Finally, I came up. I said, listen, I don't want to interrupt your grief, but I just want you to know my strongest condolences to uh, whichever brother it was that died. And he says, oh, no. He says, they're both fine. I just gave up drinking for Lent. Don't worry. Don't encourage it. Listen, for for Lent, you can give up soda. You can give up (laughs) chocolate. Or you can give up sex. I don't think you'll get the buff if you don't give up soda, chocolate, or sex. Those are the three religious things. Welcome to Surviving Creativity, the show about following your dreams, becoming your own boss, and surviving the process. I'm Brad Geiger, creator of Evil Inc. and editor of webcomics.com. I'm Corey Cassoni, business manager of Toonhound Studios. And I'm Scott Kurtz, manager of Corey Cassoni. <laughs> that's, not, that's not true. No, that's fine. No. I'll, you can do my job now, and I'll start drawing the comics. <laughs> oh, God, not right now. It's gonna, I don't need this. It's going to look great. <laughs> The comics are going to look great. So someone explain it to me because I really don't understand it. Why would Sony even give a shit about Wizard World? I How did that even come to be? Well, okay. So let's start at the beginning. There's a, there's two press releases, one from Wizard, one from Sony, in which they're sort of self-congratulatory, patting each other on the back. Hey, y- yay, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's the, the PR, the releases are very strange. 
It's we very, did it. It's very weird. <laughs> because I'm it not also, sure what we did. It do, yeah, that's just it, is it doesn't say what is what they're doing. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, it says that they're formally making comic conventions part of their movie development process. Sony says, in Sony's release, they say, we are formally making comic, comic conventions a part of the movie development process with Wizard World. But that doesn't tell us anything. It tells us nothing. And the stuff that the stuff that I read specifically mentions Artist Alley. So, like, like the Comics Beat had that part of what what you're getting at uh, when you get a table at Artist Alley is an opportunity to pitch. Right, and and uh, uh, the Sony VP said that they're always looking for new ways to to find the next generation of IP. He said. Uh, he said, quote, this deal gives us unique access to the incredible talent that Wizard World can bring to the table, putting us in a prime position to find the stories that break through the clutter. All right. First of all, Mm-mm. when did Wizard World become an agent for all of these amazing talent? That's an important question to ask, because in other words, if Sony comes to you and says, hey, I want to make the Evil Inc. movie, does Wizard automatically uh, by default, become your business partner. Therein lies the question that they don't answer. Because this Whoa. sounds, to me, very much like what's called a first look deal, which is essentially this studio gets the right of refusal on whatever your IP is. So when you register for a convention, usually there's two pieces of paper with a lot of stuff on it. One page is like, here's you know, how much it costs, tell us how many tables you're getting. And the second page is like an entire page of legalese. Usually the rules of the show, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do that. So are they going to bury in there somewhere that if Sony sees you at a show and decides that they want to buy your thing, that they have the right to buy your thing because you saw it at that show? I don't know how they would get away with that. I don't think that's possible. It's it's a good question. And it's one worth asking too, because so look at it from this perspective. There's no upside other than publicity for Wizard to do this unless they are getting a piece of the resulting property, right? I mean, we know Wizard is trying to stay in business. We, we've heard a lot of stories about them almost going bankrupt and then getting a influx of investor money. And, and then there was that whole thing where supposedly they were going to do arena shows. And, and it's pretty clear that they're struggling. Uh, yeah. So I would have to assume that uh, that they were are going to have their finger in the pie if something happens as a result of somebody being quote unquote discovered uh, in Artist Alley by Sony. Oh, guys! Well, they have to. It's so obvious what this is. <laughs> what is no, it? What am I missing? It's Platinum Studios all over again. Oh but my god! Oh my god! A, a whole flood of memories. <laughs> Holy cats. Yeah, you're right. So right now, the big thing is superhero movies. Yeah. Right? Oh, absolutely. Sony has Spider-Man, right? Mm -hmm. And they're looking for more superhero stuff. They don't understand that it's not 1996 anymore. Mm -hmm. And they think Wizard World is some kind of a presence. The press release should read, Sony Pictures, the leader of Amazing Entertainment, in Wizard World, Texas, the leader of direct access to the most desperate independent creators on the planet. <laughs> Maybe that's what they're counting on, a bunch of people who are a little oh. too eager to sign a contract. Oh, are you kidding me? That's all they're doing. <laughs> they, are, they are looking for yeah. every person 
that can only manage to go to the one Wizard World show that limps through their fucking town. And and they're and they're walking in that freaking convention center with absolute stars in their eyes and 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 dreams of stardom. Yeah. This is going to be Sony, my big weekend. Sony's going to walk up and go, oh, "What is this? I'm going to make oh you a star, God. kid." Yeah, and oh. then they'll suck up all the IP, and then they'll throw everything against the wall. Whatever sticks, the kid will get to show up on set, maybe unless he causes any trouble, and then they'll cut him loose. Or worse yet, later on down the road, okay, so let's say they get this starry-eyed uh, artist alley dweller to sign a contract, and then later on down the road, something happens, his property or her property uh, develops, and then uh, Sony's got right of first refusal, perhaps, if that's the way the contract is uh, mentioned, and now you've got a whole... Shitstorm. Well, this is the thing that we don't know yet because the release doesn't actually tell us anything. The press release tells us right. nothing. We should underline that everything we're saying is complete conjecture. Nobody knows anything. But come on, I think there's a lot we can infer here. <laughs> sure. Because here's the deal it's not like this isn't happening already. Like, there's a reason why San Diego Comic Con, very, very close to Los Angeles, has become such a huge nerd factory and a big part of that is because of its its locale to hollywood and because as someone who attended that show for 10 plus years it's littered with assistants of executives who are walking around the convention floor picking up comics getting people's information and trying to sign deals they're trying to buy stuff they're trying to buy ip dirt cheap yeah on the off chance that one of these things becomes a hit and then they can then they have the media rights to it and they can make a movie out of it and and that's in and of itself that's just how it works it's fine that's the industry whatever what this implies is that no one is going to be on the floor at a wizard show except for sony execs yeah yeah right but like how are they going to orchestrate that how can they keep <laughs> other people off point. the Floor. Yeah, how, how do you keep Paramount from walking in the door? Well, you don't. So the only thing I can think of is that what Wizard is thinking is, well, we'll facilitate some of this. Part of the press release says like it, it's going to start with, you know, with meetings where we're kind of getting creators introduced to Sony. Oh, really? Yeah, there's a little it, it's like one line. I'm trying to find it now and I can't. But it basically says like it starts with meetings. I think what Wizard World is trying to do is trying to say like, you know, if we set up one of these meetings for you and it goes well, we get a little piece. Yikes. Maybe. And it's important to note that for the last couple years in particular, so Wizard World is is publicly traded. Like you can just go look. You can go look up their financials. They've been losing millions for the last couple of years. And their third quarter report just came out in which they basically warned investors, we are not financially savable currently they they put out a thing and basically said we're like four our our assets and our cash flow against our you know our debt or whatever we're like four million in the hole so sony's going to come in and profit them and give them money to cover that debt so they can mine their conventions for desperate creators well I, we, the, again, the press release says nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it gives us no real information. But here's just in the last couple of years, here's the string of things that Wizard World has done and killed uh, before they even finished doing it to try and raise more money. Uh, last year, they did 
a set of tours aligning with their conventions with Gene Simmons of Kiss. Oh, that's right. So it was like wow. concerts kind of connected to the convention, but not really. Uh, before that, they said that there was going to be a cruise convention. Mm, that's right. Sort of like Joko I Cruise, only run by Wizards. Too. Yeah, they canceled that. Last year, they canceled five shows. Oh. Uh, I And Brad and I both heard about this, but there was an interview with one of the uh, Wizard World execs where they were talking about turning conventions more into South by Southwest style events like like carnival events or stadium mm-hmm. events where they wanted to have music and entertainment or whatever which of course chris hardwick has already done now with his id 10t the idiot convention that he threw is it's like podcasts and comics and there was a bunch of musical acts and it takes place in this huge it's not even an event center it's like half inside half outside big tents it's like south by southwest but for nerds mm-hmm. right wizard world keeps saying they're going to do that and they keep throwing these ideas out and they keep making these press releases and then they keep canceling them and losing money. Yeah. And it just disappears. It's two or three years now where their quarterlies and their annuals have been losses in the millions of dollars. Yikes. But interesting to note, after this press release, their uh, stock almost doubled. I was looking at it this morning. Really? Yeah. It's not a very expensive stock, but Mm -hmm. the value potential is there. Um, There are also other things happening with the company. I think there's still a legal battle going on. There was some fraud happening. Their COO uh, left. This is all kind of 2017 news. Seems like Wizard World is always in the news. Mm -hmm. They posted a huge loss in Q1 of 2017. They posted a huge loss in Q3 of 2017. November, two years ago, that they were essentially out of money. They warned investors like we're broke. They did it again in Q3 of last year. (laughs) Yeah, man, they're throwing spaghetti against the wall. Yikes. Surviving Creativity officially does not endorse attending wizard shows, either as (laughs) an exhibitor or an attendant. Well, the people that I've encountered there are very friendly and nice. The shows are devoid of attendance. You will not recoup any money that goes into setting up at the show. And even if they give you a table for free, which they are wont to do, you won't recoup your time. And... Now it's uh, up in the air about whether it's even worth your mental health to go because if you're going to have some Sony exec and some wizard sleaze bag coming up and blowing smoke up your asshole about how your mini comic about <laughs> that time you had a sad summer. <laughs> yeah. That rough summer in 86 <laughs> is going to be a movie then you really don't need to attend a wizard. Why did that get you, Brad? Because <laughs> it's a callback to something you said earlier, and it, and it got me then, and I was just laughing, remembering how much I loved it the last time. <laughs> my, my go-to about an alternate comic is it's um, my autobiographical comic about growing up on the mean streets of uh, Fort Lauderdale. <laughs> <laughs> I had that really rough summer when that girl wouldn't kiss me. Yeah, I had that one rough summer when that girl wouldn't kiss me. And uh, (laughs) yeah, that's all you need is some Sony exec and some wizard slime guy behind him telling you that 
God damn it, Denise is going to be a new Netflix show. Well, and let's let's face it. I mean, to, <laughs> nothing to the creator. Nothing for the title of that comic being God damn it, Denise. <laughs> I thought uh, God damn it was D- Denise was very good. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree. It's a good title. <laughs> I was I was all laughed out after Sad Summer. <laughs> we should take a moment and note this for our listeners is that if your property, if your intellectual property is good enough to be optioned by uh, Sony or any other company that it's into making movies and TV shows, et cetera, then you can do this w- without Wizards involvement. If your, pro- if your property is good enough, you don't need them. And it's actually something we, guys, we really should talk about the process of doing that in an upcoming show. How would you shop a property around and, and stuff like this? Because I've gotten to the point that like 10 years ago, if you would have said, oh, I, what about making an Evil Inc. Uh, TV show or movie? I was like, nah, nah, forget about it. Now I'm in a much more amenable <laughs> I don't think I would be quite so touchy about it anymore. Uh, really? Really. I, I, I might fight you on wanting to talk about it on the show. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I wouldn't have a- Lest we encourage anyone to pursue it. Really? Uh, well, okay. Well, so then, then it's definitely worth discussing because I've, I've come around to the point where I, as long as I retained my ownership, uh, I wouldn't have a problem if, if that were to come down the pike. But what ownership? Yeah. By selling your IP, to by selling your media rights, you're, you are, in point of fact, selling your IP yeah. in, in a certain media, in a certain form of media. Well, maybe I'm being naive then. I, I assume there was some way that I could do that and retain my control over, you know, the, the, the core characters. I mean, you, uh, maybe. Well, yeah, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. Slow down. You can sell your media rights and still maintain your ownership of the comic and the characters. Yes. You are just selling your right to exploit those ideas in television and film. Right. Right. They're not interested in your publishing. They don't give a shit about the comics. Well, no. that's that's fine. Well, but here's the thing. If you sell them your media rights, and, and I'm not advocating for or against this. I actually, to, to me, I don't really care. If people sell their media rights, I think nine times out of 10 people aren't in a position to do anything with their media rights anyway, Yeah. Mm-hmm. other than try to get the most money out of it they could. Uh, but if you sell someone your media rights, it's very rare that you would have any sort of say in how they adapt your characters for their new, for their, for their media, for their content. So it wouldn't be like my fantasy where I say, okay, you can have this, but I want the team that does Archer to do. No, 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 no. Now, now, if you wanted to kickstart it and produce it independently and hire animators to do it like Archer. Yes. But then you're retaining your media. You're retaining your ownership. If you want to go the way of Scott Sava and maintain your Mm -hmm. ownership and get investors and do it yourself and deal with distribution and make that your full-time job. I'm actually okay with that too. The reason why I'm, I would fight you on discussing it is that the number of people that we have listening to the show, statistically, the number of them that would ever be in this opportunity to where it would legitimately help them is zero. I disagree with that, but continue. <laughs> I don't see how you could fucking disagree with it, continue, considering you worked in this world for a while. Yeah. The statistical chances of someone being in a position to where they will actually sell their media rights and be in a good spot is very low. 
Now, okay, well, let me ask you this, Corey. Mm. What are the statistics of someone who sells their media rights understanding that what you really just did was make a couple grand for three years until the rights revert back to you and nothing's ever going to happen? That's the case 99% of the time. Right. So let's let's get into this a little bit so that people can better understand. So when you own an IP, when you've created anything, you you own that IP. IP is intellectual property. That's yours. It, initially, you own it in all forms. If you're publishing it, you own it. What, however you put it up. If it's a video that you put on YouTube, if it's a podcast that you do, like we own the IP of this podcast, essentially. We own our ideas expressed here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you own your comic if you put it out. You own your art if you put it up. When you option or sell some of your media rights, you're selling your intellectual property within that medium. So usually media rights include film or television or film and television. And oftentimes the film and television rights will even include merchandising because of Mm -hmm. George Lucas and everyone realized how much money they could make off of toys and stuff. So when you option your media rights, what you're doing is you're saying to a company, you have the option to produce this and make it into a film or television or whatever for this much money for this many years. And usually it's a number against another number. So it'll be like $1,000 against $10,000. So for $1,000, you get the option to make this into a movie. And that option exists for three years. And at the end of three years, you have to decide whether you pay me that $1,000 again or you release the option, you release the rights so that I can shop it elsewhere. Mm -hmm. So where does the $10,000 come in though? If the thing gets made, Mm -hmm. then you get the rest of the money. So you'll get $9,000 more. So if they go into production and they say, you know what, we're going to make this, then you get the rest of the dollars. It's like an advance. It's like a publishing advance. It's exactly like a publishing advance. Mm -hmm. By re-upping the option, some people can have stuff optioned and it just stays optioned forever. A lot of companies option stuff and just shelf it, which Mm -hmm. is probably what Sony's going to do. They're going to come in and option everything under the sun for, for relatively little money because they're not having to deal with an agent or uh, you know, or a publisher or whatever. They're going to option everything under the sun at Wizard World conventions, and they're going to shelf it. And then if any of those things take off, they own that option. And oftentimes, they own the right to sell that option to somebody else. Right. So now right. you can start getting media passed around in weird ways. And that's very similar to the stories that we heard about Platinum Studios. Sure. And to to little to no benefit to the creator, by the way. So your option has a set number of years. Every few years, you'll get another check. So if somebody's shelving your thing, I mean, that's not necessarily a bad thing. A lot of people, they talk about media rights, like it's this horrible thing. You know, know, don't give away your IP, that kind of stuff. But let's be realistic here. What's the, the, the probability that you as an individual would ever be able to afford to turn your IP into some form of media. Oh, little or not. It's getting it's getting cheaper, it's getting easier. You can do it for YouTube now. You know, you can hire animators, you could kickstart it, you could do an Indiegogo. Like there's options. But really and truly, what is what's the probability that you will be able to afford to make this content, this media content very low? Mm-hmm. On one hand, optioning something's not necessarily a bad idea. You get to get some money for your IP that you wouldn't have otherwise. And 
it re-ups every few years. Maybe you get a little more money. And if it ever gets turned into something, great. The flip side of that is if your thing takes off in the interim, well, now you've got this very low option floating around out there. (laughs) You could be getting more money for it. And the company that owns it is going to sit on it forever Mm -hmm. because they don't want to give it back to you. Or if it takes off big enough, They'll try to sell you your option back. They'll sell you back your media rights. Yikes. And then, then, then they'll make money off of it. And there's no set way that this happens. There's no fixed, like it's always like this. So Brad, to your point where you say, I'd love to do it if I could dictate how it's made or whatever, you could negotiate mm-hmm. that. You could, as part of your option, you could say, and I'm an executive producer on this. So I get to make some command decisions or, and I'm showrunner on this, mm-hmm. or I get to choose the showrunner or I get to dictate, like I get to have some say now, nine times out of 10, the media company buying your rights is not going to go for right. that. They don't want your input because you don't know what they need out of this property to sell it into their universe. And that's understand from their standpoint. That's also somewhat understandable. Sure, absolutely. They got. They I have- just. I've never seen the benefit to it unless if that unless that's something I'm pursuing as an art form that I love. It's like I want to make movies. I want to make animation. I want to get in there and make these stories and tell these things and be a director. And then that's different. Like I'm a writer. I'm a cartoonist. It would be really cool to see this as an animated feature. You know. But it would also be really cool if it was as popular as Peanuts. Neither of those things is likely to happen. Mm -hmm. When you are as popular as Peanuts or John Grisham or Lee Child or J.K. Rowling, then the big stuff happens. Then movies actually get made and you make a profit. But the odds of you being a nobody whose property gets found – I mean, even the people whose property gets found and it becomes a big thing, the odds of them really benefiting it from it financially or career-wise doesn't happen. Look at the guy that created Men in Black. Mm, Yeah. The guy that made the Men in Black comic, you don't know his name. (laughs) He's just the guy that created Men in Black. It didn't work out for him. Yeah. Well, but that's not to say that it couldn't. There's, It's a crapshoot. I know. It's a crapshoot. But here's the opposite of that. Here's the counter argument to that. And often what I, when people ask me this, what I say to them is like, it may not do you any good, but does it do you any harm? Does it do you any ill? Yeah, it could have. It could have absolutely have done you harm. And this is it. Like there's so many X factors. You know, somebody could buy Brad's, because somebody could buy Evil Inc. And not just change it so much that it's terrible, but also mm-hmm. make it patently offensive, which then would dramatically affect his work. Well, but also let's say you make a comic and they adapt it. And it's very different and the movie isn't that great. Now you have a comic out with the same name, but your comic's actually good, but they don't care. Well, I have some experience with that. And I'll tell you right now, even a flop mm. sells more comics, <laughs> like a lot more comics. How did Atomic Blonde do? Atomic Blonde was a great movie. It's a great comic. Great comic. What's interesting is that's a really good example because, and we should get Anthony on to talk about it. He just had a novel come out too, so I'm sure he would come on the show. Maybe Anthony's a good guy to talk because Anthony seems to be benefiting from it. Maybe Anthony is the exception that proves the rule. Anthony seems to be doing mm-hmm. pretty well with that. It's optioning stuff and making movies. You know, it's it's more business. It's more work. And I don't, I don't mean that in a bad way. If you're going to be doing this media thing, it's part of the job. That's why people hire agents and agencies and managers. You need an advocate yeah. to take care of that interaction because it's very important. And I don't think Wizard World is going to be a good advocate <laughs> no, I think we can for all 
creators in this situation. Sony's not on your side. They want to make money off your property. They're going to do what benefits Sony. Wizard World is not your advocate. They're the entity that wants to profit off the fact that Sony wants mm-hmm. to make money off of your thing. Yeah, they want to cut. You have no advocate within those two entities. Not a real advocate. If you don't walk in with an advocate, you're already fucked. I don't know. I want to see more info, but the the whole press release makes me feel very hinky about it. They're not going to release more info because a lot of creators do have agents and managers and mm-hmm. agencies. They have advocates. So what happens when Wizard World wants to put you in a meeting with Sony while at this convention? Do you bring your agent with you? Does your advocate there? And how is this cut going to go down? Because usually agents and managers take anywhere from 10 to 20%. Wizard World is going to want essentially a, what's called a finder's fee because they found you. So they're going to take a percent. And then Sony is going to lowball you on the deal because, well, if we don't take you, we can just we can literally right. go to Artist Alley and take anyone else. I guarantee you in Artist Alley right now, there's a property similar to yours. And Sony's right. going to change it so much anyway. They don't give a shit. They're going to walk down on the floor and find somebody else very similar to you and pick it up. Yeah, man, we I mean, we could do a whole <laughs> string of episodes about makes my stomach hurt. about media and media rights. And the one thing I will say to people is it is neither a good nor bad thing. A lot of like what Katie said a couple of weeks ago on the show when she said, you know, we need to talk about money and we need to understand that there's not a hard and fast rule on this. It's easy to say, you know, keep all your IP and save your IP and always, always you know, never sell any of your rights and blah, blah, blah. That That's very easy to say that. The reality of the situation is mm-hmm. every deal is different. Some deals, some deals are very similar, but every deal is a little bit different. And if you're not going to do anything with your media rights and someone is interested in purchasing those rights to, to create media and you feel confident that they're going to treat the IP uh, in a way in which you would want it to be treated, then who cares? <laughs> Sell them, get a little money. And if it gets made into a thing, then maybe you can make additional money on merchandising or publishing or, or you know, or whatever. To We were talking about Anthony Johnston earlier. To, to his credit, he's taken what was a great film and he's leveraged it into some extra oomph for yeah. his uh, for his career. Mm-hmm. He's got a great new book out called The Exforia Code. And on the cover, it says, I'm the creator of Atomic Blonde. They republished the comic and and it's the comics called Coldest City. The movie's called Atomic Blonde. I think both titles are now on the cover of the comic. Like there's ways to leverage that into good stuff for your career. Media is big. It's wide. It's a huge net. It catches a lot of people. And that's why you option that stuff out because there's the chance that you're going to get noticed because of it. And when I say the chance, I mean the chance. So getting optioned is one thing. There's a very small chance of you getting optioned. After your option, there's an even smaller chance that you're going to go into production, that your thing is going to get made. And even if you go into funding and pre-production, there's an even smaller chance after that, that they're going to start shooting. And even after they shoot, <laughs> there's now you're getting into a little tiny chance that you're going to get a release because sometimes they shoot and don't release stuff or they release it in a weird way. It goes straight to video or it goes, you know, now we have these streaming services. Now it's becoming the thing where we just saw this happen with the the new Cloverfield thing 
Oh, that was taking a horrible film and creating an amazing PR stunt to unload this movie. (laughs) I mean, it was brilliant, right? So like now there's ways for studios to unload content that they maybe don't want to put into a theater so they can do it much cheaper and get it out there in a different way that may or may not work every time. So the, the probability of all of this going your way, it's very slim. And if you can be Zen about it, you know, stand up for your rights and what you want, but understand that once you've sold those media rights, you have sold the right Mm -hmm. to do with media in, in your IP, whatever that entity chooses to do. And I say entity, not individual, because it's an entity. Yeah, It's multiple people yeah. making decisions about your IP that you have absolutely no part yeah. of. So I don't know, I, you know, but ha- how this ties back to the whole wizard world thing, it's like now we're making it even worse because now you have no advocate, you have no control, you're not in a bar, you're not in a good bargaining position. And if they work, if they bake it into their registration forms for wizard world that they have to get a first look at your material. That's even worse. Oh, yeah. If that happens, you got to run the other direction. Yeah. If that comes to be, you'll hear us on this show talking at length about <laughs> not <laughs> signing up for a Wizard World show. I, yeah. I I still don't know how they would do that or get away with it. So yeah. I, I doubt that's the process here. I think most likely it's going to be Wizard World is using this as a way to try and get people to attend their shows again, particularly big name creators that they're maybe having trouble getting now. And they're going to use it as an opportunity to start orchestrating these meetings and and probably from Sony's end, taking a little cut. Yeah. Like we put you in the room with this creator. Now we get a little piece of this deal. If it were me, that's how I would orchestrate it because then creators don't feel like Wizard World is taking any of their money. And Sony is happy to get connected with people that they maybe have not met before or known before. And if that's the case, then it's probably pretty benign. But, you know, you got to be... Got to be aware. Well, that's it's going to be fun to keep in touch with this one because as I, I, as more information comes out, I, I would I got assume a feeling I would we're say more it's just going to go away. We'll never hear about it yeah. again. But Sony's involved, so I wonder. I don't know, man. It, every other announcement from Wizard World just goes away. It, it, it's like <laughs> they make they make several announcements. They do these big PR things, and everyone covers it. And then yeah, and then just disappears. Yeah, yeah, you're nothing. And then three months later, they put out a financial report saying that they're a few mm. million more in the hole. So I don't know how that's going to go down, but well, Wizard World, another bucket of syrup, what a real pickle! Here we go again. Yikes! Boy, that is a corpse that just will not stay in the ground. <laughs> <laughs> They're talking about bringing the magazine back too. Are they really? A couple years ago, they, they had talked to. Yeah, man, they have thrown every bit of sticky pasta at the wall. They've talked about doing a cruise. They've talked about doing arena shows. They tried to add Kiss and like this whole like touring thing. They canceled like five shows last year. Their new thing now is, and part of this press release, they said they're going to cities between LA and New York. They're going to like the small towns yeah. where the where the real talent is undiscovered. Yikes! Yeah, I I've, I unearthed some photos of my. Uh uh, my at my in-home studio from 2001 and one of them was a close-up of the bookshelf and there was this whole row of wizard magazines and i just sat there thinking geez that that was that was so long ago and 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 i really enjoyed so much about that magazine it's it's hard to believe that it's completely gone and here it may be coming back 
yeah. you know what I didn't enjoy about it? I didn't enjoy them convincing people that that a disposable medium was worth money in the long run and driving the price of comics through the goddamn roof. <laughs> well, there was Further that. isolating our industry. So and- the other bad thing that Wizard does for comics is, and just this whole optioning of comics, this kind of rush to be the next comic movie, is it encourages creators and some more well-known creators to make kind of one-off comics that just they can pitch. Right. And that drives me nuts too. No, you, you've got a really good point there. And that's very transparent, right? Well, you, you can yeah. see a pitch comic uh, 100 miles away. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not as bad now as it has been in the past, but all right. How do we wrap this one up? Uh, do you got a closer, Brad? Or do we have to suffer well, through something? As a matter of fact, I do have a closer. Mm-hmm. If, if you guys are interested in... Okay. Are you... Do you think but you might want to do it? Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no other way to wrap this up. So I'm because I, I do have a closer. It's tradition by now. All right. Yeah. What the fuck? Oh, God. It's time for the surviving creativity feud. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's just taking every, he's literally just taking every game show from the 70s and making us play them once a week. I love it. I like Family Feud. I'm very good at Family Feud. All right. All right. So. I love that he made us listen to the whole whole thing. (laughs) Well, I didn't want to just chop it at a weird place. I wanted to get that nice trumpet solo up there. I A little while ago, I took a survey using uh, Twitter and Facebook, and I asked a bunch of people a bunch of questions, and I gathered up the answers. So what we're going to do is play the lightning round uh, family feud. It's going to be Corey against Scott. Unfortunately, I can't participate because I've got all the answers. You did last week's closing, so that's fine. It's going to be five questions. You're going to have 30 seconds. So just so I know, I have to take my headset off, and you'll type in chat when I have to come back in. Absolutely right. Okay. Well, I'm taking my headset off right now. Okay. So I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Okay. And begin. Name the place in which you work on your comic. My house. Name something you get at a convention that makes it worthwhile. Money. Name a food to avoid at a comic convention concession stand. Hot dog. Name a way you can spot a cartoonist just by looking at them. Ink on their hands. Other than dice, what might a D&D player bring to the table? Pencil. All right. Oh, boy. Okay. We actually did that in 30 seconds. Wow. So uh, let's <laughs> I've always wanted to be on the feud. Isn't this great? This is the first one that I think might actually not suck. That was fun. Where's Corey now? Is he not watching the chat? All right. No, I'm okay. right here. <laughs> okay. So, Corey, you're going to get the same questions. 30 seconds. If you, if you say the same thing Scott said, I'll give you this sound. <clears throat> and you have to re-choose, okay? Okay, got it. All right. Get ready. And go. Name the place in which you work on your comic. Office. Name something you get at a convention that makes it worthwhile. Autograph. Name a food to avoid at a comic convention concession stand. Hot dogs. <clears throat> Chicken wings. Name a way you can spot a cartoonist just by looking at them. Bad back. Other than dice, what might a D&D player bring to the table? Uh, pencil and paper. <clears throat> oh, uh... Adventure, what is it? Uh, monster manual, uh, or like a book. Like a, <laughs> we'll let like you a have that book. one under the uh, under the buzzer. That went a little bit long, but we'll give you monster manual. 
All right. So, Scott. Yeah. Let's see how you did. Name the place in which you worked on your comic. Scott said, house. Survey said, top answer, 17. Yeah. What? (laughs) Name something you get at a convention that makes it worthwhile. Scott, you said money. Survey said, four. Oh, what? That's yeah. it was yeah, not the top vote getter. Was not the top oh. vote getter. Name of food to avoid at comic conventions concession stands. Scott said hot dog. It was the second to top uh, vote getter. Eleven. Okay, that means number one was burger. I'll bet you anything. Name a way in which you can spot a cartoonist just by looking at them. You said ink on their hands. Survey said three. Other than dice, what might a D&D player bring to the table? You said a pencil was not the top answer. Three. All right. Corey. So Scott got 38. Okay. You've got to beat 38. Name the place in which you work on your comic. Corey, you said office. Survey said 13. That was the second uh, highest uh, vote getter. Name something you get at a convention that makes it worthwhile. You said autograph. Survey said five. Mm. Name a food to avoid at comic conventions uh, concession stands. You said chicken wings. Survey said three. Top answer there was everything. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, fuck off. Um, name a way you can spot a cartoonist just by looking at them. You said bad back. Survey said eight. Hmm. Uh, top, top. It, there was a tie for two top answers. Uh, the way they're dressed and bad attitude. <laughs> yep. Wow. wow. Story. Other than dice, what might a D and D player bring to the table? You said monster manual. Survey said five. What was it? What was the top answer on the D and D one? The D uh, soda and snacks. Oh, snacks. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, Corey, what did you get? 34. I lost by four. 34. 34. Scott got so, uh, Scott, you get to decide how Corey is going to deliver the surviving creativity closing credits. Okay, Corey, you have to read the credits as if you're running away from a bear. I'll be and uh, and to be nice, I'll be the bear. Oh yeah, yeah, that'll be great. Uh, oh yeah, oh, good. Okay, all right, great. <laughs> right, well, I'm ready when you are. Are you are you gonna bear me? Oh. <laughs> You've been listening. You've been listening to Surviving Creativity, the show about following your dreams, becoming your boss, surviving the process. Uh, Your hosts are Scott Kurtz, creator of Table Titans and PvP. I'm Corey Cassoni. I'm the business manager of Tuna Studios. If you like the show, please rate us. This show's made possible by you. Oh God! Oh. <laughs> so good. Oh, that's oh. amazing. <laughs> <laughs>